Hi there, and welcome back to the Rashcast. We are back yes. after a month, what, a six-week something like that. Hiatus. Something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, the only reason why we do these again is if you ever want us to do another podcast, you just have to accost us on the streets and say, "Hey, you, do a podcast." That is what happened to me today. Uh, yeah. A listener of the podcast, who will remain unnamed. Uh, came up to me on the street and told me to do another podcast. And so, here we are, doing another podcast. We give the fans what they want. Or fan. Yes. Uh, all, yeah, right. Uh, anyway. We're making this podcast for one person, pretty much. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, so, hashtag fire Amanda Braun on Twitter. Uh, this is for you. It's for you. This is all for you. Uh-huh. Uh, so, the reason, apart from, you know general apathy that we didn't do the podcast for the last five weeks is uh johnny was abducted by somalian pirates yeah that was fun uh, and beyond that yeah it was a good time uh, and beyond that uh the nats were boring and we didn't want to talk about yeah i mean how many times do you say yeah the offense isn't there the bullpen isn't there and the starting rotations hurt right the nats uh, as as mark zuckerman said during at one point during our hiatus we're playing the same game over and over again and losing it pretty much every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not fun to talk about. It wasn't fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure for Mark Zuckerman, it wasn't fun to write about. Uh, he still did their podcast, though. That's true. They have uh, actual sponsors. And I saw like several Nats chat t-shirts at the game today. I think our so biggest thing is that we don't have merchandise. Job. Merchandising. Yes. You start with the merchandising, and then after that, everything comes from that. Uh-huh. Uh, so, no merchandise. Uh, I will be happy to, and I think I've said this before, write the word Rashcast on a white t-shirt for you if you supply the white t-shirt and the Sharpie. No, we'll, get, we'll, we'll supply uh, the Sharpie. I'm not going to carry around a Sharpie. Well, you know. It's way too much to ask. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so the reason we're back, apart from being accosted on the street, uh, is that the Nats are fun again. Yeah. And that's always It's all fun because Gerardo Parra's back. Yes. And, and because the, the last uh, ten games of the now eight and three homestand, they played well because they knew Gerardo Parra would be coming back in game 11. I swear Davey only called him back again because, the, like, the for the vibes. Well, and because the fans were allowed to get back in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, listen, there were 30,300 people at the ballpark today, which is the most they've had since Game 5 of the World Series. Uh, and it was a very memorable game. Para comes up, as I'm sure you know, uh, comes up in the seventh inning of what was then a 3-2 game. Uh, the entire crowd goes nuts for Baby Shark. I saw a guy today, by the way, who was wearing a Para jersey who didn't know that he had been called back up to the <laughs> team. He had just worn his jersey. Wow. And then his son pointed out to him that Gerardo Para was in the dugout. And he's like, oh, God, please let him use him. And then they did. And he hit the double. Uh, yeah. And uh, obviously that sparks, you know, the – I don't want to say it sparked the Kyle Schwarber home run. But, I think the uh, other two home runs sparked the Kyle Schwarber home run. Yeah, but maybe the other two home runs were sparked by Gerardo Parra's presence in the dugout. What about the two home runs uh, yesterday by Schwarber? Uh, 
also sparked by Gerardo's impending presence in the dugout. Uh-huh. The nine home runs this homestand, seven of them are attributable to Gerardo Parra's presence in the dugout or impending presence in the dugout. The other two, those are all Kyle. Uh-huh. I won't tell you which two. It's up for you to guess. But, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Kyle Schwarber. I mean, that's yeah, kind of like the big takeaway from this homestand is, oh, my God, Kyle Schwarber. So, first of all, to reset where the Nats are right now, because, God, I don't remember when the last time did one of these is, uh, the Nats went 8-3 and three on this 11-game homestand against two first-place teams and the Pittsburgh Pirates, who they summarily swept. Uh, they are five games back in the division. They're in third place. Uh, they are three games under 500, uh, which is the closest they've been to 500 in quite some time, uh, possibly since we last did the podcast. Last time we uh, did the podcast was right before the Cubs series. Right, and they were what four games on? They were four games under 500 when we last did the podcast, and then they lost three of four. And yeah, so right. The last time we did the podcast was the last time they were this close to 500. Yes. Anyway, uh, so Kyle Schwarber, as I'm sure you know, in this 11-game homestand, had nine home runs, including four leadoff homers and three home runs today, including a leadoff homer. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is three more than any player has hit on any homestand in Nationals history. Uh, LaRoche and Harper each had hit six in a homestand. Well, the six Schwarber, the six by Harper were in one series. Actually, no, it was Marlins, uh, then two Braves games. So he hit six in three games. That's right. Yes. But, and that was a fun series, too. Yeah. Another doomed team. But, uh, yeah, uh, so Schwarber is as locked in. Uh, obviously... Harper hit for more average and walked more during that two-week stretch than Schwarber has. Uh, this has sort of come out of nowhere for Kyle Schwarber, who's been, you know, he'd been edging closer to adequacy, but now, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a player who is a, a career uh 231 hitter, uh, a career 113 WRC plus. Uh, you know, his career slash is uh, 231, 334, 479. And before today, he was at 232, 319, 473. Now, obviously, with the three home runs, he's now jumped eight, nine points in batting average, uh, six points in OBP, and you're not going to believe this, but he has jumped 35 points in slugging percent. No, 45 points in slugging percentage just on today alone. I can believe uh, that. So that's a pretty good game. Yeah. It's pretty decent. So, uh, yeah, he had a pretty decent game. Uh, he, you know, before today, he's, he's leading the Nats in home runs, obviously, uh, also leading in RBIs. Uh, he's, he's basically been... Before today, what the Nats signed up for, albeit somewhat streakier than you would hope, uh, you know, he was he was sort of rounding into average for his career. Uh, 
Uh, and then obviously today he went out and hit three home runs. Even before which, today, uh, since on this homestand, he was saying 294 with an 824 slugging percentage. I think that's up now to his slugging is now up to what well, on the homestand was like 10, 14, I think, by the end of the homestand. Well so, 8, I mean, he was still hitting yeah, like 300 for the last two OPS weeks. On the slugging, on yes. The homestand. Yeah. I mean, he's been basically since the first week of May. He's been pretty terrific. Uh, and, and really, uh, he's been the only Nat who's been hitting, even in this in this 8-3 and three homestand. Uh, the truth is that the Nats have still been scuffling. I mean, Turner was good in the last two series, but he's hit one home run since the beginning of May. Uh, Juan Soto, after a brief period where it looked like he was locking it back in, uh, he was pretty abysmal over this homestand in terms of, I mean, he had two multi-hit games in the last two games, uh, salvaging the homestand to some extent. But before that, it had been... He had, uh, he had one extra base hit this entire homestand. Right. And it was a, you know, gapper double that didn't even get to the wall. Something that Justin Maxwell uh, said today, one Soto still does not have a home-home run and that's Park. I'd have to think about that, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's got eight homers. He hasn't hit a single one at Nats Park, uh, which is—I mean—it's weird. Soto is still and has been still very productive on the season, despite not hitting for any power at all. Uh, which, again, is—you know—it's—it's it's weird that he's had this kind of season. He's still got a, a 130 WRC plus his OPP is still over 400 on the season uh, he still actually leads the team in WRC plus uh, but you know this was not he has not had the sort of launch year that you were hoping for and expected yeah uh, I, I don't know if it's an injury issue it's hard to say obviously it's, it's weird that he hasn't hit for power at all. Uh, and he's gone through long stretches of this season where he hasn't hit for power. Uh, but at some point, obviously, if the Nats are, are going to get going, you would hope to see more power from Soto. Uh, the truth is, if he has a week like Schwarber just had, his numbers will be right back where you would expect. Uh, he, he's one good week away from being okay. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's... if. That's one of the big things with the Nats, if they are going to actually mean it, do business this season and do anything, is you got to start seeing some more from Soto. Uh, I mean, that's the big X factor, obviously. It's, I'm not, it's not that revolutionary. If your best player isn't playing up to where he should be playing, you know, if you're going to succeed, you're going to succeed with him. But, like, I think him hitting, it just changes the entire dynamic of this offense. Like, if you have well, Schwarber, and Turner was still good on this homestand, Hit 360 entering today uh, on the homestand. Um, so he's, he's hitting great right now. Um, you know, again, the power's not there with, in terms of homer threat, but still managed to have a 513 slugging. Um, so with Schwarber, Turner, and if you can get, like, Juan Soto being Juan Soto, and Josh Bell starting to turn around too, uh, it's, it's huge. It's a very big difference maker. Well, the, the problem with this team has been even when – a player has gotten hot on this team. They haven't hit for a ton of power. Uh, this team hasn't had, you know, they're, they're in the middle of the pack 
They're, I believe, they're 22nd in the league in 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 terms of MLB uh, in home runs. I was going to say 10th in the NL, but 22nd in the league also works. Yes. Uh, so, and it's just that they haven't had consistent power. I mean, they're they're you know at the top of the league, you know, second in batting average in the NL. Uh, seventh in the in Major League Baseball, but they're you know subpar uh, in terms of slugging, and uh, that that's hurt them. Mm-hmm. It's it's made it so that they've gotten you know it's it's a primary reason why they haven't been you know if you hit home runs it doesn't really matter a ton how you're hitting with runners in scoring position, uh, but if you're not hitting home runs you need to start you know playing small ball and and driving in runners when you get opportunities and the Nats have had a a deadly combination of lack of power and uh, lack of situational hitting and it it, it didn't really change a ton on this homestand but two things that changed were obviously Schwarber hitting nine home runs on the on the homestand and then the pitching just being incredible Uh uh-huh uh, outside and, of the, and the fascinating thing about that's out of the raw start. It's out of the raw start. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had consecutive how many consecutive games where our starter, where our pitching just threw gave up two or fewer runs, all but the raw we, start. At Ten one, of eleven. This at homestand. one point, yes, the first nine games of this homestand, the Nats had given up. Uh, I believe it was what six runs in nine games. Yeah. Uh, and two of those runs had come in extra innings, in that eighth inning of a seven-inning game. Uh, obviously, the raw start changed that a little bit, but but Corbin uh, was very effective in his two starts this homestand, mm-hmm. which is you know welcome news. Uh, he eight and a third one-run ball against the Pirates, uh, and then today against a better lineup. Although the Mets, you know, they were missing a lot of talent uh, a lot of talent that's coming back very soon uh, obviously the Nats missed the Grom and they missed uh, Stroman they also missed Conforto who's coming back very shortly McNeil who's coming back tomorrow uh, so the Mets lineup was thinner than they sort of anticipated at the beginning of the season uh, but still Corbin was very effective today struck out seven Went six innings, gave up two runs on two homers. Um, walked only one, which is really, really promising. And that was his last batter of the game, Obviously, too. Right. When it was hot, he was, he was uh, fading a little bit. Yeah, he was only only ended up at 85 pitches. But clearly, the, whether it be the 110 he threw his last start or the heat or whatever, the, the Nats knew that uh, he was fading, and they had, uh, they had Kyle Finnegan ready. Um, but the the big breakout star, I guess, of the Nats right now, pitching wise, is Eric Fetty. Yeah, he is. Which, I mean, I'm as shocked by it as as anyone. I mean, uh, I, I think with Fetty, he's you've seen an uptick in velocity. You know, he's now hitting 94 true. routinely, which you know he's maintaining his velocity. It's also big. Um, his off speed stuff looks. Much better. I mean, you can see things with Fetty where you say, okay, he looks more improved this year. 
there are things about him, the, about how he's pitching this year, where it's, it's not like, you know, it passes the eye test at least. It's not like he's getting it on, on, on randomness and, and, and that. It's, it looks like he's actually, you know, made improvements as a pitcher. You know, there was a reason he was a first-round pick. And the important thing is, to, like, note that it's not all spoke and mirrors. Like, mm-hmm. he's exactly. striking out two full batters per nine over his career average, uh, three and a half per nine more than he struck out in the, you know. In 2019 and 20, the ERA was there for Fetty. Uh, in the those two seasons, he threw... 128 and a third innings. He had a 99 ERA plus 442 ERA, which is serviceable. But we're talking about a guy who, over those two years, uh, he struck out six or he struck out 69 batters in nice. 128 and a third innings. It was nice. It was actually not nice. No. He had a 4.8 K per nine, which, in this era, really in in any era over the last four years, is bad. But in this era specifically. It's abysmal. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, his strikeout rate is still below league average, but it's 8.6 per nine, which is is definitely, you know, something that you can build off of. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, not, uh, not as homer prone as he's been in his career. Part of that is probably the ball. But uh, a lot of it is, is just that his sinker is working and that he's locating it down in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he still walks, you know, maybe too many. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's been, he, he walked four in his last start, three unintentional. Uh, but he struck out six in seven innings, and there wasn't a ton of hard contact. It didn't feel like a fluky outing. No. Right. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that that it's going to stand up, that, that Fetty is going to become a co-ace or anything no. like that. No. Uh, but anything he can give you, if Corbin can get back to being a reliable three starter, he doesn't have to be an ace. And Fetty can also fill that role. Uh, you know, and, a, and Lester has been guy, very more than much more than serviceable at times this year. I mean, he's been a good innings eater. He's thrown a lot of pitches for you. You know, he's been that kind of workhorse guy you kind of wanted. Well, I mean, he hasn't gone more than six innings in a single game. But he's pitched a lot of pitches, uh, and, and yeah. also. That time he pitched on short rest was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that was very important for the Nats at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's been he's been decent. Uh, he's been what you sort of hoped for and expected out of a fifth starter. He's given you <coughs> decent enough innings. He hasn't taken you out of games very much, uh, other than the one start against Chicago. Uh, he really hasn't been abjectly terrible in any start mm-hmm. uh so obviously you know scherzer comes back on tuesday uh i as i said well, i guess i didn't say it on the podcast because we were doing one but uh strasburg uh i would not wouldn't expect any uh, you know what uh, I'll, I'll frame it like this anything you get from steven strasburg at this point in the season is an unexpected surprise. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really depressing. Uh, and, and, you know, Strasburg's obviously a really fun guy to watch when he's right. But they still haven't figured out why he's throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastballs. 
I mean, it just, you know, they can let him rehab all he wants. They can let him work on his mechanics. But at the end of the day, there, there's obviously something wrong with him. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to speculate on what it is. But if your co-ace pitcher is, you know, four miles an hour down on his fastball uh, and you don't know why, that doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that resolves itself on its own. Uh, so, I mean, if they don't get anything from Strasburg, but Fetty and Lester and Corbin can all be serviceable or, or better than serviceable, you know, if they can all combine for, say, a, a 110 ERA+. Plus, you know, it's not a great rotation. It's not the rotation you envision, but it's it's good enough in mm-hmm. this division. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the issue is that the Nats need more than I was, good enough right now in order to really get back. I mean, they're only five games back at first, they're, so they're not too far right. back. They have plenty of head-to-head left with the Mets. The rest of the divisions, and this but, division is not good. I don't know what it's happened. Not a good division. What the happened? Nets are not good. No, they're not. The Nets are, I wouldn't say they're, they're the worst offense. They, they have uh, the worst offense right now in the NL. That's which is shocking. Yes. You would not have expected. I that. thought they'd have one of the best offenses in the NL. And obviously, as they get players back, things will improve. For them. But McNeil and Conforto weren't even playing that well this year. That's true, but uh, I mean, obviously, they they can play better than they yes. played so far this year. Uh. I mean, I, I still think, and obviously the stats and the, the record bears it out, I think that the Mets are the best team in this division. I, I agree. I mean, I think, the team, the, and the, I think they're one of the most dangerous teams if they get to a playoff because of their 1-2-3. Right. Well, and it obviously depends on DeGrom's health. You know, he's, yeah. he's had three separate injuries this year. He hasn't missed a lot of time with any of them. But, you know, anytime the best pitcher in baseball, guy you're counting on, has multiple injuries, you know, your, your baseline level of concern goes up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, the Mets are going to get healthier in the rotation, although that's not mm. a guarantee. You know, Carras- mm. Carrasco has been pushed back. Syndergaard has had a major setback. Yeah, so I mean, anything – saying that the Mets are going to get healthier with anything is always, a, you know, a double-edged sword. <laughs> right. I mean, they're the Mets. Exactly. Uh, it's always – They've a- been getting – They've been getting sort of aberrant or aberrant, excuse me, aberrant performances out of Stroman and Walker, who who is not to say that they're not good pitchers, but they've been performing at a level that you know doesn't really match their peripherals. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a winnable division. The Nats are not. I wouldn't say even even after this eight and three homestand, I don't think they're a good team. But I don't think you need to necessarily be good to win this division. You just sort of have to get hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're certainly capable of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I would love for the Nats right now to take one last swing at things and go get a third baseman. You know who I like? It doesn't even have to be a great who. Ketel Marte. I mean, he would be great. He'd slide him right into second. Play the outfield. Be super cheap uh, under know, team control for three more years. Uh, Diamondbacks. I mean, who knows what the Diamondbacks? Seventeen are in a row. Oh my god! Amazing. 
They are. They are. <laughs> did you see? They almost came back. I they did. were down 9-1 today. I did. I watched the uh, ninth inning of that game. God. But, I mean, I just, you know what else the Nats probably will get? It will end up being as a Struble Cabrera. Bring him back. Bring them all It's time back. to get the gang back together. I mean, we brought Parra back already. Yeah. I mean, and, and it worked out, didn't it? Yeah. He's hitting uh, 500. He's got a 1,000 slugging. 1,500 OPS. He had just as many extra base hits as Juan Soto did this homestand. That's true. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it... And the 34-year-old coming off knee surgery is allegedly on the roster because the Nats need a backup center fielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, in what circumstance, short of Victor Robles getting hit by a train, is Gerardo Parra going to play center field? Uh, Victor Robles getting hit by a bus. That's true. Yeah, I don't think they spend a lot of time on trains or on train tracks nowadays. Yeah. The bus thing is probably way more likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if if your job, if your your expectation is that he covers four innings in the outfield if, if Robles gets hurt, like sure, Parra can probably do that, but so can Josh Harrison. So could Juan Soto like, if you really push comes to shove. Right. If, if things were that dire, you could figure it out uh-huh. for one game. But Harrison played and, center. He did fine. He did. He played like seven innings after. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look. The debate, the debate on the roster was whether or not you call up Yadiel Hernandez. And yes, I know Hernandez is not eligible today, but you could have Finagle. gotten him back on the roster when Stevenson went on the IL. So the, the, you could have either done that or done what you did and called up Para. It's the 26th man on the roster, and who is more likely to give you a fun moment? You know, Hernandez or Gerardo Para? Like, Para, by virtue of today, and just the, the amount of fun, the, the fact that, like, Mark Zuckerman wrote an article today for Masson where he said that today marked the unofficial return of baseball. Because <laughs> uh, Gerardo Parra came back. Because Gerardo Parra came back and did the baby shark. Like, the fact that he's already given you that moment, I think more than justifies his, his spot on the 26-man roster for a week and a half until Andrew Stevenson gets healthy. Although I don't know like, if Stevenson's that close. Well, and Stevenson sucks anyway. Yeah. I don't, don't really care whether or not we see Andrew Stevenson again. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's a bunch of – going back to your original point that you made uh, about you know giving it one more shot. I mean, I fully agree. I think, you know, this team – I mean, who knows what you do this offseason? You could lose Scherzer. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we bring him back, honestly. Um, so I think could it be depends losing. on where the team is. If, yeah. If it looks like the team is going to contend next year, Scherzer won't have any problem coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what Max Scherzer wants. I, I mean, no one knows. No. In terms of money, in terms of does he want to win another championship? Does he want to come back here? I mean, no one knows. Mm-hmm. And he's also, you know, going to be 37 next year. Yep. And he's Max Scherzer, but pitchers do eventually age. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, who knows what this team will look like next year. So I'm all for it. I mean, guys out there, you could get Kyle Seeger, who started off the year hot and I think has been atrocious the last couple of weeks. Um, in terms of other third base. He's trying to fit in with the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Hey, the Mariners won five in a row. Took 
fourth move. Yeah, they took. Yeah, they swept the Rays. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Seager is like a league average bat this year, although, yeah, the league average bat's bat pretty bad. Um, although he, right. I, I still would like him. He's not, he's not necessarily a bad, a bad get for the Nats. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the third God, baseman out there. He is insanely durable. That would, just, just yeah, looking at Seager's. Yeah, other than those, he, he's the only been, had one. Yeah, he's like only had one AL IL stat in his entire career. Right. That's. I mean. I don't know that that's really important for the Nats, but it is cool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, he's. You're what like saying? there are there are all kinds of guys. I was just saying there are all kinds of guys out there that can be had, you know, at reasonable prices that you can get before the deadline. You know, yeah, you could I, probably start prying away now. Yeah, I think Flax said this a couple weeks ago, but it would really be smart for the Nats to jump the market a bit. I mean, Eduardo Escobar is the other guy who definitely will be available from, from the, from the right. Diamondbacks, um, who would be a great fit here. Because, um, I mean, he could also play second. Donaldson might be available, but I don't know his price and his, with his health if you'd really want to take a guy like Donaldson. Um, but there are definitely guys, and I think, you know, worst. I think what Flax said was jump the market now, see if you have anything, and if worst case scenario, scenario comes July 30th and you're not contending, you flip them, you trade them again. Yeah. And the, the Nats have done stuff like this before. This wouldn't be in uncharted territory. Uh-huh. In June of 2018, they traded for Kelvin Herrera, Herrera. Yeah. and then they sold afterwards. So oh. it's not, you know, obviously the Nats do have as pressing a need at third base as that team did in the bullpen. Uh, I don't know how easy it's going to be to just bench Starlin Castro, given that the Nats are paying him $6 million. But, you know, I would hope that they would be ready to do that. I mean, it's not really benching um, him. It's more – you could even move Castro to second. I mean – Yeah, so you, could, you could theoretically platoon Castro and Harrison, but what would that what would that accomplish? Harrison's, Harrison's been much better than Castro. Yeah, but Harrison's also been not great all the time lately. Still better than Castro, though. No, I mean, but – right. I mean – Josh Harrison's had a 101 WRC plus. He's been a league average bat. Uh, his defense has been bad. You know, he, he's been obviously not the kind of guy, but that's the kind of guy I would expect the Nats to trade for. Someone who gives you what Harrison has given, you know, but can do it at third or, you know, another Josh Harrison. Someone who can be had super cheap right now and stopgap. Uh, I mean, the Nats have got nothing out of third base. Getting anything out of third base would be an improvement at this point. Yep. Uh, I don't. I don't see them. I mean, obviously, there's still a month and a half to go between now and the trade deadline. Uh, I don't see them being major players at this point. Uh, I, mean, I think if they were decided to sell, they have a lot of really good pieces. Max Scherzer exclusive, including excluding Max Scherzer. Yeah. Who they could flip. Schwarber, Hand, two guys both on one-year deals, expiring contracts, right. who would do a lot for a lot of contending teams. I mean, the Braves could use Schwarber bad. Right. Um, every team could use Hand. So if they do decide yeah. to sell, I mean, they have the pieces. I I don't – I mean, they've never – 
they've never torn down completely like that before. Well, uh, and, and this look, would be the I, type I, of teardown that they they equivalent to what they did in twenty eighteen, I'd say. Yeah, I guess if you if you see Kyle Schwarber as the functional equivalent of Matt Adams or Daniel Murphy, and, uh, right, or Murphy and then Gio Gonzalez yeah. traded. Gio that was Gonzalez also the August equivalent of Brad Hand. That was also the August uh, waiver wires too, so a little different. But right, those don't exist. And they anymore. did uh, they did deal Matt, uh, Ryan Madsen, although he wasn't you know nearly as good as as Brad, Brad Hand. Hand. Yeah, Brad Hand. Brad Hand. Uh, who has been very good lately? He has been. I I like Brad. Go Hand. Brad Hand. He's been everything the Nats could have hoped for. His velocity is, is back and then some. Uh, he's not striking out as many as you would expect out of him. You know, his, his strikeout rate is around nine. When you know, in the past it's been eleven or twelve for nine. But he's getting the job done. Velocity looks good. Uh, command is back. Wasn't great today, but the Nets got themselves out because. I assume they wanted to go home or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, this team could go either way right now. Uh, they've got a non-cookie schedule coming up. Uh, you know, they've got some tough games ahead. It's not – look, if you go back and listen to us in – I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast in May 2021 or May 19, 2019. Uh, but we talked about how the Nats had a window from May to July in 2019, where if they, they took care of business and beat up on a soft part of the schedule, they could claw their way back into it. And that's what happened right now. Uh, Here's what they've got until the All Star game. I mean, they, they have got a, two against the Phillies. Yeah, this week, this week is pretty easy, and then after that, yeah, you play a lot of uh, right, a lot of good teams. Right, they've got two against the Phillies and four against the Marlins in Miami. Uh, then they've got the one makeup against the Mets on the twenty eighth. Then the home stand is the Rays for two, the Dodgers for four, the Padres for four. The Giants for three, so yeah. they they run the gauntlet in the NL West, uh, and I still can't get over the feeling that the Giants are are frauds to a degree, uh, but I mean that's as tough as you can you can get. Uh, yeah. So if they can, if they can survive that stretch, if they can go into the All Star break around or a little bit over five hundred, it's going to be hard to convince them to sell with the division where they don't have to be that much better than that to win. And they've got, they've got a pretty easy August, July and August schedule. So, you know, again, like I, like I just said, this team could go either way. I would really like to see them act preemptively add right now, someone who they could flip later. Uh, I don't know. I, I, like I said, this team is probably not very good, mm-hmm. but the division isn't good. And not good teams win playoff spots all the time uh, in weird divisions. Uh, I don't know. Who I mean, knows? The important, thing, the important thing to me is that they're interesting again, which yeah. is why we're back here. Exactly. Uh, and I actually watched know. the games this week. Right. And that's all you can ask is for them to be watchable. You know, it, 
the team won the 2019 World Series. It, it's hard to be mad at them about anything. Yeah, I'm not mad at them. Uh, I just I wouldn't watch them. Right. And, you know, I don't know if it sounds dumb and petty to be mad at a sports team yeah. like that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a season after a pandemic. We're all getting back into the ballparks and all that. You know, all you ask is that the team be fun to watch. And the Nats over this homestand certainly were. Yep. So, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing this weekly or, or whatnot. Uh, depends on what the team does and if they stay interesting to talk about. Yep. Uh, but that's uh, it for, for us this hashtag, Right. For hashtag Fire Amanda Braun on Twitter, here is your podcast episode. Yes, you're welcome. It's All right. All right. Till next time. Adios.